0: imagine um, imagine a migraine inside of a foot that's exactly what happens and when when that migraine happens when that inflammation happens you'll get heat you'll get increased digital pulse you'll get um, basically a headache in the foot is, is exactly what it would turn into and that will cause for compromised blood flow and then you start to get damage inside of that connection so if you imagine laminai is like velcro that inflammation happens and when that inflammation happens your blood flow goes down and you actually start to start to detach your velcro starts to come apart a little bit
1: laminitis or founder is a word that is tossed around all the time you hear it with fat ponies you hear that founder happens regularly in spring and summer when horses are out on grass you probably hear the term a lot but what does it mean Today we sit down with our in-house farrier, Matt Humpage of Iron Force Farrier Services to talk all things laminitis, as well as the key vet farrier relationship you need to handle a case of laminitis properly. You know, we're all about that team approach here at Energy Equine. Hey Matt, how are you today?
0: Good, good. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks for coming on the podcast. No worries. Is this your first podcast?
0: It absolutely is. I
1: feel like every time I have anyone on this podcast, it's their first. So really breaking barriers. So let's delve into it. What exactly is laminitis?
0: So basically laminitis is an acute uh, inflammation of the laminae in the hoof, which can cause all kinds of damage in the foot. Uh, One of the things that... I like to say, a lot of people will call it founder and stuff like that. Laminitis is basically what happens before founder. And it can be, it can be prevented, it can be helped, and it can be maintained before you get into a really bad spot.
1: So what is the laminae Like, what is its function in the foot?
0: Laminae is the attachment of the outer hoof wall to your inner structures of the foot.
1: Okay. So when you're getting inflammation in between there, that's what's causing kind of that pain and can cause the rotation.
0: Absolutely. Imagine, um, imagine a migraine inside of a foot. That's exactly what happens. And when when that migraine (laughs) happens, when that inflammation happens, you'll get heat, you'll get increased digital pulse. You'll get, um, basically a headache in the foot is, is exactly what it would turn into. Mm -hmm. And that will cause for compromised blood flow and then you start to get damage inside of that connection so if you imagine lamini is like velcro and that inflammation happens and when that inflammation happens your blood flow goes down and you actually start to start to detach your velcro starts to come apart a little bit
1: okay so what causes a horse to get laminitis
0: So laminitis can be caused from uh, quite a few different things. The most common one we see is spring laminitis, which is horses have been pent up in this country for three, four, five, six months, uh, not on anything green, just on regular hay. And then you turn them out onto lush green grass and boom, they overeat and their bodies just systemically can't handle it and they suffer in the foot. The other causes from it, It can be metabolic issues, Cushing's and what have you that the veterinarians will diagnose. Then you can also have what we call contralateral limb laminitis, which is you have an injury on one foot and the foot that is holding everything up by itself basically starts to get overworked and it starts to fall apart on you. You can have postpartum laminitis, which is uh, like a retained placenta on a broodmare after having a foal and she'll get a systemic uh infection in her uterus which will go body wise and then that can cause them to, to have an acute state of laminitis on the spot. You can have road founder or mechanical laminitis, which is impact laminitis caused from sometimes overworking a horse on hard surfaces, stuff like that. And then another one that we see on the racetrack, we don't really see it on a regular basis is when you have your horses really, really hot and you let them run up to water and they pound the water back too fast and you'll actually get water laminitis from that.
1: Oh man, horses are so delicate. They are. So you talked about um, basically that it's an inflammation in the foot and it can cause, you know, separation. So what exactly like what does laminitis look like for a horse like how can people kind of see it what are the signs and symptoms that their their horse is getting a case of laminitis
0: so an acute onset of laminitis you know your horse when you know your horses they'll look uncomfortable they'll park out a little bit sometimes put their feet really far forward sometimes they'll put their feet really far underneath of them Um, other times they'll just lay down or they'll just you know they'll be perfectly fine in the morning and then all of a sudden in the afternoon they can't walk those are things that you really want to be cognitive of when you're paying attention to your horses and stuff it's it's laminitis usually doesn't onset slowly it's there it happens right now
1: and so what are what does it look like when you have a horse that has chronic laminitis
0: so chronic laminitis um, the way that i was taught in school to how to remember it is laminitis is an acute state of founder founder is a chronic state of laminitis so oftentimes when you have a chronic state of laminitis you're going to see a uh, deteriorated hoof wall it's going to be really dishy the foot's going to be really flat when you pick it up your farrier will pick it up take a look at it and he'll feel like there's nothing he can trim off the bottom and yet you've got this big pancakey looking foot on the top that you just don't know where to begin on how to trim uh, you'll also have Lamenesses that are intermittent sometimes in the spring they'll exfoliate the sole and they'll become really sore because they've got chronic chronic laminitis chronic founder and there's rotation in that foot so the only way to really go about seeing exactly what you got is to get your x-rays from your veterinarian and know exactly what you're dealing with
1: yeah and that kind of brings me to my next question so kind of walk us through what it looks like when a client brings a lamnitic horse to a veterinarian what what's that going to look like how does the vet kind of start working <clears throat> that horse up
0: so oftentimes um you know i'll get the phone call myself and they'll say hey you know what i think i got my horse is foundering and my first thing is is you need to get the veterinarian involved that's there's so much stuff that the veterinarian can do and one of the first things that the veterinarian will do is, is they'll come in and they'll check your digital pulses they'll kind of do a lameness workup, more or less um, oftentimes with my veterinarians here at energy equine will do x-rays right away and it's not that we think that the foot has rotated but we want to make sure it doesn't so mm-hmm. we need ground zero and once we have ground zero dialed in then we can go forward from there whether it's a metabolic issue that we need to dial in did the horse just eat 50 pounds of grain because he broke out, what do we do? You know, the veterinarians jump into that and they deal with it with uh, the medications and the methods that they need to. And then we'll do things on my end to uh, help what they're trying to do.
1: Mm -hmm. And so then what does it look like on your end as a farrier when you get a case of early laminitis?
0: So honestly, early laminitis, we can do things as simple as um, tape on some styrofoam, Uh, foot support we use styrofoam blocks that we keep here at the clinic and we can tape those on to all four feet and let the horse just relax it gives us passive support on the foot it's fast it's easy to put on other people will use soft ride boots which is functional that'll work as well so if you catch your laminitis early enough I mean you can go into a laminatic episode in and out inside of 24 hours or less horse can be right acute and then everything gets dialed in by the veterinarian and boom away you go Uh, and the laminitis is over because you found the root cause other times when we find it it's a week old or it's two weeks old and it's actually gone into the founder stage where we have some caliber of rotation or we have bruising and and stuff in the foot that we actually have to deal with and we can do several different things we can do clogging you can do heart bar shoes. You can do uh, what we call a Nanric Ultimate. We'll derotate feet. It all depends on the caliber of what's going on, which is absolutely determined by the veterinarian and farrier on the site at that point
1: Mm -hmm. so walk us through a couple of those shoe examples that you just had the cogging and the heart bar like kind of it's hard on a podcast because you're just explaining it out loud but kind of explain what those shoes look like and what their purpose are is
0: Um, so i mean we'll start with with the heart bar shoe we'll use a heart bar shoe around here on a laminatic episode where it's it's acute and we can help that horse out we don't want him to rotate he hasn't rotated so we'll use what we call a heart bar shoe some impression material we'll apply that um, through the x-ray more or less and make sure that that foot stays stable and then deal with the, the systemic issues that's causing the problem and then we go a little more forward we'll go into something like a clog or a nanric type clog um And that's usually when we have a rotation, and when we have that rotation, we take the x-ray, we measure all that stuff out, and we do what's called derotating. So we'll actually get that Palmer angle, so we want to get that coffin bone angle at a ground angle, so it's parallel to the ground properly, and then we'll jack it back up. So in a NANRIC, what we'll do is we'll slide that boot on, and that actually takes the foot up 18 degrees, and that completely disengages your deep digital flexor tendon. It looks awkward, the horses don't move phenomenal, but what it does is it stops the mechanical apparatus of the deep digital flexor tendon trying to pull that bone right through the foot. It disengages that and it allows you time to get whatever's going on in that foot stable. And a clog can do the same thing as well, a little less bulky at times, and it can be adjusted for your degrees that you want, and those are casted into place Either, either way, we'll cast or glue one of those into place.
1: Mm-hmm. So they might look awkward, but also from like a wellness perspective, they're just alleviating that soreness that the horse has when its foot's on the ground.
0: Absolutely. You know, um, people will see me do the clogs and they'll see us do the Nandrick Ultimates here. And that is buying us time. What that's doing is disengaging whatever whatever's going on, but we're essentially disengaging the deep digital flexor tendon and we're buying ourselves some time to figure out what the problem is. And once we have the problem figured out and we get that horse stable, then we'll work on rebuilding that foot. But it's crucial to alleviate as much pain as you can because you got to break the circle of, of what's going on. So if the horse is rotating and he's in a lot of pain and he doesn't want to kind of engage, the body just starts to shut things down and, and, and it doesn't work properly to get itself where it needs to be.
1: Mm-hmm. And so obviously each case is individual. But when you talk about where you're seeing rotation and you're using some of these more quote unquote extreme shoeing methods to help a horse come back to comfort. Um, What does that kind of look like from a farrier perspective? Like how many, how many shoeings can a client expect before the horse starts to kind of go back to normal or, or you're fixing that rotation?
0: So, I mean, we've had at this clinic here, we've had horses come off that we couldn't hardly get them across the driveway. They were so sore. Um, and then with just a little bit of, of, um, pain management at that point, and then we add either a clog or a nanric, we've had them literally walk right out to the trailer with, you wouldn't even know they were sore. One of the things we don't ever do really is block a foot in order to shoe it for laminitis or founder, because we don't want them to feel so great that they'll walk out of a foot, um, or actually slough that foot right off. So, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, you numbed it down with painkillers and we really try to actually avoid
1: a lot of painkiller
0: because we don't, yeah, we want them to be a little bit sore Mm -hmm. so they will relax. Yeah. You know, it's just like if you break your leg, we don't want you running a marathon because you're on half a bottle of aspirin.
1: Right. And what does that mean? I've heard you and the vet say that walk out of a foot. And I'm, I'm assuming it means exactly what it looks like, but I'd never heard that term before the vet clinic. So can you kind of walk us through what that looks like? Uh, Pardon the pun. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, uh, actually walking out of a foot, I've only been involved on, on two cases. Um, and neither one of them, thank, thank goodness we're not in Canada, but where we actually had, uh, the foot slough off the actual hoof capsule left the horse. Wow. so the horse took a step and there he was standing in his ligaments like yeah just soft tissue right wow. it was awful um both cases that we had resulted in we had to put the horse down these were extreme yeah and and the things you know these horses had a, a just an a massive amount of stuff going on and they were just past the point of redemption by the time they would got to us mm-hmm. um and that was at at uh kentucky at Ruden riddle when we'd seen that and it was it was you know i hope i don't ever see it again we mm-hmm. try and really be proactive rather than reactive with this stuff
1: but i think that's a good not a great visual obviously but a good visual with your velcro example of lamnitis because that's just showing you how the velcro could just totally exactly. come apart and you can lose one piece of the foot with Ex- serious cases of this
0: exactly yeah you'll just we'll call it sloughing or you can you know we walk out of the feet or whatever but mm-hmm. I mean, horses stand inside of their foot. So the easiest way to think about it is the hoof capsule is a shoe
1: that Mm -hmm. goes around the foot. It's a natural shoe. It's
0: just like us. And you know, if you get your shoe caught in the stairs on the way down, you'll lose your shoe. It can happen to a horse and it's, it's awful. We don't ever want to see it.
1: Mm -hmm. So with cases of chronic laminitis that are maybe not horrible, not extreme cases like that. Are you shoeing them every four weeks? Are you putting them in these shoes for six months? Like, what does that kind of look like from a a week to week perspective?
0: Again, a lot of it has to deal with, um, on a case to case basis, but oftentimes if we can get in there and deal with the scenarios early enough and mitigate the rotations or the, the issues inside of the foot, uh, say for instance, we do a casted clog, we'll change the casting on that clog every four weeks sometimes earlier depending on the growth rate of the horse uh and the reason is is we don't want to rob peter to pay paul so we don't want to you know suffocate that foot by having it in a cast for sake of six weeks Mm -hmm. um so we'll change those at four weeks and we find oftentimes that once you control the ground surface you can control the angle and you can control basically the perfusion of blood going into that foot by mitigating the damage that's happening, you'll get exponential sole growth. So we'll go from, say, something like a 6 millimeter sole depth, which is the minimum we need to to really operate that foot. And and sometimes inside of 4 weeks, we'll jump that up to 8 to 10, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about trying to get blood flow, trying to create room, that's fairly significant.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about even just hair growth. Like, that's it's significant, yeah. It's
0: significant, yeah.
1: And so... Um, how with those cases of kind of chronic lamnitis or cases where you are having to do more of these in-depth shoeing measures how do you work with the veterinarian to ensure that the case is heading in the right direction
0: uh so what we do here at at energy equine we are up front with the clients so the veterinarians and the farriers uh will stand back have a conversation we come at it at a team approach more or less but there's no contradiction usually when we do things so a lot of what we do is is we make a plan and we go forward we try to spell that out for the client as best as we can up up front uh keeping in mind that you can have some hiccups along the way but we like to do a lot of follow-up uh radiographs um oftentimes i'll go back in four weeks i'll deal with the foot we'll take pictures stuff like that uh in a really bad case we'll re-radiograph with the veterinarian. Oftentimes, we'll go eight weeks and re-radiograph with the veterinarian and make sure that the drugs and the blood work and the stuff that they have the horse on is functional for that horse. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of follow-up, or we try to do a lot of follow-up with the clients as things are going. You know, day one, day two, day four, day six, we try and make phone calls or text messages, you know, how's Fluffy, what's going on. Uh, Is there anything we can do? Oftentimes clients will be upset because the horses are laying down and that's actually in a lot of cases a really good scenario. Because they're off their feet. They're off their feet. We're getting uh, the blood circulation going into the foot. It's uninhibited by weight and they'll relax, you know, and, and by week two or so Fluffy's out there running like a mad bat.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, with these cases, are you recommending stall rest or are you recommending movement if the horse is comfortable?
0: It really depends on the horses. I mean, you really get the best growth by a horse working.
1: Mm-hmm. By
0: the same token, you can't expect a horse to work very good on a very compromised foot. So it's really a case by case basis on what we do. And and honestly, Fluffy's going to tell you what they're capable of doing. What we don't want to see is that horse peak get really good and then start to go downhill again those are the things that we really want to monitor um, where we start to see oh you know fluffy was great for three weeks and on week four she's gone completely backwards or she's packing a leg or or something like that because oftentimes what'll happen is is you'll get some abscessing that goes on um, as things start to heal or whatever bruising and stuff that was in there will start to come out and you'll get some abscessing and so sometimes you have to go in and cut those casts off or take the Nanrix off, deal with an abscess and, and go forward. But again, we're trying to be very upfront with our clientele as you know, it's going to be a a process until we get it good.
1: Mm -hmm. And so obviously someone listening to this might be like, holy moly, this is quite the process. Um, but what are some positive outcomes you've seen in cases like this working side by side, like you've described?
0: Um, so, you know, I've worked on some pretty, some pretty high end stuff at, at times that have foundered. We had one that uh, came from oh man it was istanbul or some crazy place like that and it, it was a stallion and he was bought for 1.2 or 1.3 million dollars and he foundered out on the plane ride over more or less and so what do you do you know yeah. and and basically he went through all the motions this was not directly my case i ended up following up with it but he went through all the motions of doing the the clogging and stuff like that. And that horse is phenomenal now. He's he's out there running totally around sound. like crazy. Totally sound, 100%. Um, very little long-term effects in the foot. It looks very good. Um, so that was a pretty phenomenal case. And, then I mean, we've worked on $500 ponies that couldn't walk in. And we've dealt with everything that we could. And those horses are, are out packing kids and doing 4-H and all the rest of that stuff now too. So, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the horse and how willing the horse is to carry on. But we've had phenomenal success here Mm -hmm. at Energy Equine dealing with with founder issues.
1: And with the performance horse in mind, I'm assuming it's best if you catch it right off the bat and get the horse in. Because what are kind of what's the outcome of a performance horse's soundness levels after a case of pretty chronic lamnitis or founder?
0: Right. So, I mean, your performance horses honestly are the ones that we should see immediately. So the minute you see that that soundness issue where they start to show you the clinical signs, the minute that happens, that's where you want to get them in. You want that blood work. You want to find out what's going on. Do we have – because oftentimes it can be other things. You can have an infection somewhere that you don't even know about, an internal infection, and it's causing that horse to founder. So even if you deal with the laminatic episode – you gotta make sure you find the root cause, mm-hmm. or you're just gonna have a reoccurrence, or it's not gonna get any better. So on your performance horses, I think timing is crucial. You wanna get in, you wanna see a veterinary, and you wanna get those base radiographs right away. And then you wanna go forward really quick, find out what the problem is. And oftentimes if it's just a laminetic episode, you can get by without having any real long lasting damage. Mm-hmm. If you do end up having some rotation, you need to be very proactive. You need to get on board and and get something done, get an appliance put in to help alleviate what's going on so that you can mitigate the damage that's being caused. The whole thing and, and the whole prognosis on what's going to happen with these horses depends on how far down the rabbit hole we let that get.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, an ounce of prevention is a pound of cure.
1: You have such good one-liners in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that. That's a good one. So I think also a lot of people listening, I've been in a similar boat before are are like, you know, how do I know if my farrier can handle this? How do I know if my farrier is even good? Like what are some basic, not tips and tricks, but essentially tips and tricks that you can tell people when they're not sure if their farrier is doing the best that they can or has the education behind them?
0: Um, I would say the very, very first thing that is a red flag to me um is when we start to see ego so honestly in in 98 of what we do we need to have a veterinarian involved and when you get a farrier you know backyard farrier or top level professional farrier it doesn't matter all the way across the board when they don't want to have a veterinarian involved when they start puffing up their chest and being okay well i you know i'll just put this on or i'll just do this that to me stops being about the horse and starts being about the farrier and that's, that's a huge red flag when that happens, when they don't want a veterinarian involved, when they don't feel like they need it radiographs, they're not there for the horse. They're there for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's massive. That is massive. And it's vice versa. The veterinarians, you know, sometimes you'll run across them where they'll quickly throw a, a farrier under the bus for something that is not fair to them either in, in those instances as well. Um, so I think that that's one of the first ones. One of the second ones is, is they should be able to openly have a conversation with you. And, and oftentimes when I'm talking to a client, I'm really bad about not telling them about all the success stories because I didn't learn a lot from the horses I got, right? I learned a ton from the horses I got wrong. Mm -hmm. And those are the stories. Those are the ones where you tell somebody, you know, I've had, I've had something, you know, where I've done this particular type of shoe and it went totally wrong. And I don't think that's something we need to do. I think that their non-successful stories will tell as much about how the farriers done stuff, as well as their their success stories will.
1: Mm-hmm. And what also kind of impresses me about what you guys do here at Energy Equine is you've said so often that you welcome the farrier of a horse to come work with you and the vets to figure it out so the farrier can continue it it's not about you taking a client absolutely as an in-house farrier
0: absolutely you know one of my um main things about the way that i wanted to do this and and i am so passionate about wanting to work on on lameness and on founder and on navicular issues with these horses that you know oftentimes any farrier is welcome to come here. They're welcome to use the area that we have. They're welcome to any tools or stuff that we have here. Uh, and, and they're welcome to any piece of knowledge of mine that I can possibly give them as a tip or a hint. Um, and, and if they have my help or they do something, what I want to do is, is get in there, deal with something for them, because I, A, have the time, my book's designed for the time, and B, I have experience, I wouldn't say uh, skill, I like to call it experience. I've had a lot of wrecks, I've seen a lot of wrecks, other peoples, my own, and and I've just got the experience to know sometimes what'll work and what won't. And then once we get past the really worst part of things, we do wanna push that back to the farrier that had them. We really don't have room in our book for a lot of full-time barns. We just, we don't wanna travel, we need to be here at the clinic both veterinarian and farrier I work side by side with each and every one of our veterinarians here and they're as crucial in my team as the person that's clinching the horse for me
1: and so talk a little bit about your continued education and how how you've come to have such an interest especially with your rude and riddle experience and everything like that
0: okay well um the whole thing started when I realized I didn't know anything um (laughs) You know, I got one of those cases where uh, a veterinarian told me that, well, just keep putting this horse in this shoe and, and that's that's what it's going to be. And that horse just kept getting kind of worse and things just started getting worse and I didn't like the way that stuff was going. So I started um, really searching for answers. And the more I searched for answers, the more I realized they didn't have any. And I got lucky enough to uh, get a hold of the guys at Sound Horse Technologies and they hooked me up with the veterinarians at rude and riddle and uh, the guys at Ruden and riddle invited me down and I got to spend two weeks of like just the most crazy unreal cases you've ever seen from, you know, fluffy, the wonder pony, right up to, you know, 1.2 million dollar horses. And, and it was absolutely breathtaking to me. So from there I basically started on the journey of um, my clinics will be one to two weeks long, and I go and spend time at Ruden Riddle. I'll go and spend time with uh, who's now my best friend, Dr. Matt Weimer, uh, down in Kansas. We'll go to the Kansas State University and shoe horses. Uh, you know, we do just so much stuff that you don't just get to do every day that now it's it's become my everyday. So my education I think is is all based on again like I said experiences and something that we don't actually have a textbook for. This is all stuff where you got to learn what's going on in real time. You need to know the basics, you need to understand the fundamentals of the of shoeing and the, the fundamentals of the of the basics of farriery but it goes beyond that with, with the veterinarian medicine and having to understand the things that the veterinarians are seeing and what they're doing. So, and I, again, I'm really lucky that all my veterinarian friends are all certified journeyman farriers through the AFA. So these guys, not only can they talk the talk, but they've done the, they've done the stuff on the farrier side of things. So they have the base education and beyond.
1: Mm-hmm. They're
0: not just saying, Hey, you know what? I spent four hours in vet school. We read this page. This is what you have to do. These guys are real time.
1: Mm-hmm. And so as we wrap up this podcast, let's just do a quick, I guess, wrap up of laminitis. So what should just quickly, um, what, what is the main sign that your horse is dealing with a laminitis episode?
0: Uh, a laminatic episode, I would say, uh, my number one thing is an acute onset of, of lameness. That mm-hmm. horse is fine, and then all of a sudden, it's not.
1: Yeah, which is a bit more comforting for for owners, I think. You know, you hear, "Oh, I think my horse is abscessing," and you don't really know. It's like if your horse is super sore, bring it in. That's right away. exactly it. Even you know something's what? going on.
0: Even even an abscess, uh, a horrific, terrible abscess, can send you into a laminatic episode. In in the worst case, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can have such a bad foot that you can have that, or you can get. Um, you can start to get deterioration of the coffin bone with an abscess. So, you know, I really think that sometimes you spend a hundred dollars to get your veterinarian involved, or you can spend a couple thousand dollars dealing with what your farrier now has to deal with for the next two years. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's huge. Sometimes it's, it's a couple of dollars now to save thousands of dollars later.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then actually, I didn't even plan this, but um, we had you on the podcast today as our in-house farrier. But then in September, we are also um, having our continued education event, Bridging the Gap, with Dr. Scott Fleming from Ruden Riddle. So I was going to quickly talk about that. Basically, this event is going to be hosted at Energy Equine and his for veterinarians and farriers dr scott fleming is a podiatrist so that means he's a veterinary podiatrist he means he's a vet with a focus in shoeing and feet um, this ce will integrate the theoretical dynamic and practical application of shoeing practices to treat and maintain horses with commonly found sport-related injuries. Live case examples are going to include navicular, proximal suspensory injuries, and stifle injuries. Live cases meaning we will have live horses here for the farriers and veterinarians to work on. A large focus of this CE will be on shoeing for the surface, so the arena surface. That's a big thing that Dr. Hewlett talks about a lot, how each surface is slightly different, and how farriers and veterinarians can proactively shoe horses to maintain a certain level of competition despite injury. The schedule is gonna be pretty neat. We're gonna divide the days in half with each a.m. and p.m. session featuring a two-hour lecture by Dr. Fleming, followed by a hands-on practical application of di- discussed techniques. Through a dynamic exam in a clinical setting, radiographs and ultrasounds of each equine involved in the CE will be done beforehand and provided to attendees to view. So if you have a farrier that is, if you are listening as an owner and you have a farrier that's super interested in shoeing for the sport horse, um, if your veterinarian wants to up their CE credits, they can come and join us for a great weekend, or I guess a great Friday and Saturday at Energy Equine. For veterinarians, this event has 13 hours of CE through the ABVMA. And for farriers, this event has 13 and a half AAPF CE credits. So, Matt, kind of walk us through what the AAPF is and why farriers should be involved with that organization.
0: Um, so, the AAPF is the American Association. AAPF. I'm trying to think American Association <laughs> Professional Farriers. There you
1: go. Profe- I was like practical professional. Yeah, he there's so many professional fairs acronyms. There's
0: <laughs> so many of those anymore. Everybody's got a breakdown of it. Um so the AAPF actually is involved not so much in um uh an actual teaching aspect like the uh AFA, the American Farriers Association where you're actively going for a uh, certification. The AAPF actually what they do is monitor your CE credits so that basically you can go in there and say hey you know what I've done this much stuff this year I attended this many clinics I attended this stuff so that it it is an actual number of showing what you're doing? The veterinarians have done this for years, and the AFA uh, is already so busy that I don't think that they really had the time to track RCE credits. So the AAPF was created to track this and and be able to list it. So it's almost like a governing body to keep track of your yeah CE to credits. make sure that you're
1: continuing your education. And exactly
0: learning. that. I mean, there's lots of other benefits to be uh, involved with them as well. They do put on clinics. They have their own kind of um, extended CE platform that they're doing now, uh, of question and answers and stuff like that, where you can show that you've really inundated yourself in, in a certain aspect of shoeing, be it jumping or say cutting or raining, where you can really show that, you know, I've really studied this on a, on a, you know, educational level mm-hmm. and, and a practical level and they'll go from there.
1: Yeah. And if you guys are listening and you're like, well, that's cool. You guys are doing an event for farriers and veterinarians, but I am neither. Uh, we will be launching on the 28th, the Saturday, a lunch and learn opportunity with Dr. Scott Fleming. We say it's lunch and learn, but realistically, we're going to have lunch and then you guys can come and spend two to two and a half hours learning from Dr. Fleming as an owner. He'll walk you through some of the things that we talked about today on the podcast and more, especially with the equine athlete in mind. So it's going to be a fun weekend celebrating the foot.
0: Yeah. And and I mean, um, if I was to put a plug in there, uh, us here at Energy Equine, any of the veterinarians or myself, we're here all the time we love to answer questions you know um i think sometimes dr google is great but sometimes dr (laughs) Dr. google will really send you down a really bad path so if you have questions or concerns folks come on in have a conversation with any one of us we have lots of shoe displays here We have lots of limb displays here. We love to have conversations and I'm a little biased. We have the best veterinarians in (laughs) Southern Alberta. And as far as farriers go, you know, anybody's welcome anytime.
1: Mm -hmm. And like Matt said, as our in-house farrier, he's now booking predominantly out of clinic, which is really exciting for us and also him. And uh, that means that you can call and you can book an appointment with him you can book an appointment with your veterinarian and request to have him alongside and you can bring your farrier in as well so obviously call the front desk to set that up and you can always message us on facebook at energy equine veterinary services if you have any questions or concerns or shoot us an email at eeoffice at energyequine.ca thanks for coming on the podcast today matt i think we're going to start to do these hopefully every four to six weeks we're going to figure out a foot topic to talk about so if you guys have any topics, send them in. We love to hear it. We're sorry that we've been so, so quiet on the podcast radio waves this summer. It's been busy. (laughs) Thanks again, Matt. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me.